Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Welcome. When you live a life as long and as prosperous and as fulfilling as Larry Rutman, you uh, you live through some some scares here and there and some peril because what's life if not a little adventure, right, Larry? So we're going to get together and talk about some other great stories. The White Witch of Jamaica almost claims two more. I can't wait to hear this one. We went to Jamaica around our honeymoon. First place we stayed was Montego Bay, which is mm-hmm. on uh, one end of the island. The next stop was to be a hotel called the Plantation Inn. I'll tell you a little about that at the end of this story. Um, Montego Bay was great, and far in the distance on the on the other side of the bay, a place that was at that time uh, was not populated, but since has become a tourist stop, part of Montego Bay. And uh, Montego Bay was very nice. I had too much sun there, so it caused a little bit of stuff on my skin. At that time, people weren't as careful about the sun as they should be. And uh, Lois and I both fell into that category. So that, um, but that never turned in. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the, um, maybe the melanoma that I uh, had a couple of years ago on my forehead came from that. I really can't say, and I don't know that anybody can say. But one stop on the way from Montego Bay to the Plantation Inn was a place called um, uh, was a place called Rose Hall. Now Rose Hall was a famous home, and they say that a couple of centuries ago, the lady there, um, the White Witch, they, she ultimately became known as, killed three husbands. <laughs> okay. So and Rose Hall, I think, since we were there, has been you know sort of refurbished and brought back, but at that time it was sort of a wreck. But in order to reach it, you had to leave the main road, and you had to drive up as far as you could on the main road, and then go the rest of the way on foot. So we went up there, and uh, this was a—I drove up, and then we got out of the car, and uh, we walked, and there was nobody around. And I said to Lois—well, uh, no, I didn't say it to her at that time. A little later, uh, I'll get to that. But there was a big—on uh, the right, on the left side of the road— it was like a, a cliff that fell away into the into the um, bush. And so we walked up, and suddenly uh, a, a man appeared walking towards us. And he, had, he was carrying something. And as he walked towards us, it became apparent that he was carrying a machete. Hmm. So I said to Lois at that time, I said, a machete? I mean, guy, this, this guy could— could do us in, dump us over the side, and we'd never been seen again. I said the headline would be, young married couple on their honeymoon disappears in Jamaica. I would say an additional headline, Larry Rutman, a real cut-up, disappears. But that's okay. <laughs> Couldn't resist. All right, so he, he's walking toward you with a machine. Yeah, and I said to Lois, I said, if there's any trouble, run away down the hill <laughs> and call the police or something. So in any event, um, he came along. And he had a slight smile on his face, got closer and closer, and sort of like he was amused. Sort of he, he might have picked up that we were a little bit wary, and he walked right by us. 
no problem. We went on to Rosal, and the White Witch didn't appear. And we walked back to our car, <laughs> and we drove to the Plantation Inn. And the Plantation Inn, get this, Jordan. This is 1963. We had a room with a balcony looking out on the ocean, the beach down below. A famous place, Plantation Inn. Uh, Mr. Brown ran the kitchen. They would serve you a fantastic breakfast on English linen on your balcony every morning mm. and a terrific meal every night. And so that you had the room, the two meals, room service, the whole nine yards. I mean, to go there on your honeymoon was the right place to go and stay. And we used it as a as our, you know, to visit other places. Or a cabeza, which is a little bit down the coast where the banana boats were, and, you know, it was a very colorful place. And the uh, uh, the river on this side where uh, it had a waterfalls and the water coming coming down. In any event, um, what do you think it costs for all this at the Oh, moment? let me guess. Can I, may I? Uh, nightly rate of $35 a night. That's good, George. Where was I? Close? Yeah, 28. Oh, man, that was really close. <laughs> yeah, it was. Amazing. 28. You can't even get half a tank of gas for 28 bucks. No, now you know what it would be for a room like that. I mean, oh, literally be over $1,000 a night. Of course, of course. And, um, you know, and Mr. Brown, who was, a, who was you know, uh, a real, had leadership qualities, obviously, but he was very nice, I would say, because I'm a pain in the neck. I say, well, Pancakes, but if you would, could you put a poached egg? On? <laughs> 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 they would do whatever you wanted. Jamaica's still beautiful, even though they've had some some issues over the years. Oh, they got well. I want to tell you that in Jamaica, I had. I'm not going to go into all those experiences, but when we went to when we went to the to the capital, um, Kingston, Kingston, I met the top lawyer in the country, hmm. and uh, he and I became friends. We communicated after that. I, we would, you know, he was in the law courts, mm. and that's Dudley Thompson. His name was. He was uh, Indian and black, and he was a f- fantastic defense lawyer. The paper there is the Daily Gleaner, and every day there'd be a story on Dudley, and uh, so that you know. Interesting. So, so let's was, let's do another one and take us back to New England. And there's a famous uh, structure that's actually no longer in place. It collapsed. The old man in the mountain or of the mountain in New Hampshire, became the symbol of New Hampshire on license plates and elsewhere. And you had an encounter with the old man in the mountain when he was still in play? That's right. He's gone now, but he was still there at that time. Crawford Notch. So Lois and I went up there with our little terror. Oh, this is a long time ago. Whammy. Yeah, this must have been in the, I'd say the early 70s sometime. And, you know, I, I love mountains. I love scenery like that. Crawford Notch was great, and it's pretty far up in New Hampshire, so that when you go there and go on a trail, there's not a lot of people, but the trail was interesting, and we started out, parked our car in the lot, started out on the trail. The old man of the mountains was not in view, but close by. And um, so he does not like interlopers. I guess uh, the reason I use the word interlopers is that we were trotting on his land, mm. and we went up there, and we followed the trail markers. Wonderful. But suddenly I said to Lois, or maybe she said to me, I don't see any trail markers. And indeed, we must have gotten off the trail someplace. And getting, we'd started this 
sojourn, if that's the right word, pretty late, maybe 1 o'clock or something like Uh-oh. that. Uh-oh. And I, we didn't take any of the stuff you're supposed to take. Did I have a compass? No. Did I have a warm jacket? No. I'm in the middle of the summer. But it was getting cool. And we're walking, and no place to... We were lost. And, um, you know, could have been... That was a close call because if we hadn't... Well, if you lost up in the mountains, you heard stories about people freezing to death. Or, oh, uh, bears, anything. All what sorts ha- of things. What happened to alleviate the situation? Well, we walked for a while, and uh, we didn't know exactly where we were walking, but I try to use my sense of direction to walk us back towards, you know, rather than going up further, I tried to go down, but it's hard to know. We didn't know where we were. And um, so, uh, and I, when I wrote about this later, as I wrote about it in Close Calls in my memoir, I said, uh, where were we? <laughs> not Coolidge Corner. No, no, not for sure. You're in the... The mountains of New Hampshire it gets pretty wild up there, and so you you didn't see markers after a while. You you no, there were no markers, but ultimately, you know, my sense of direction was enough so that we came out on a trail. Uh. We didn't know whether to go left or right on the trail, but uh, you know, one but there was flat ground. You know, go this way, that way, who knows? But because uh, we were really befuddled, and so some hikers came along, thank God, and we said to them from our left, and I said. Um, well, we got lost, and thank God we found this trail, and now we found you. Where do we go to get back to our car? That way. I went, oh, thanks, my God. And so we walked down the trail, and we— And the old man just Got laughed, back to our car. Snickered. Uh, yeah, snickered. Then get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, there were always examples, and sadly in the news, about people who get lost and stranded or— you know, run out of water or whatever in the mountains. And even today, with all the advances in GPS, people get lost. It's so easy to. You have a good sense of direction, though, overall, Larry? Yeah, I do. I do have a good sense of direction. Lois does not. Do you ever notice in married couples, only one of the two has a good sense of direction? I don't. My wife does. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you a story. We just talked about Larry Lesser. Yes, in a previous case. Yeah, and he was married to the... uh, Japanese lady was such a great violinist. So he told me in the conversation I had with uh, Larry, he said, she had no sense of direction. We'd have a room in a hotel, and we'd get off the elevator, and she wouldn't know where to go. And she would generally choose the wrong direction. She said, but I have a good sense of direction. I would direct her to the right place. And that sense of direction, he said, that lack of sense of direction, held every place, whether she was driving or... And yet a brilliant violinist oh, great and violinist. a brilliant lady. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing to do with your IQ or your smarts. It's just a weird wiring in your brain. For Do you use GPS in the car do, when you guys are driving? Because I use it and I still get lost. I, I take the wrong turn. I don't trust the GPS and I take a wrong turn. That's even worse. But uh, GPS is helpful, though. So b- before we wrapped up, you you enjoy uh, nature. You've always been a hiker, and you love getting out there, right? So, I like I like all I like those kinds of sports that don't have motors um, and don't have a lot of sound. For example, I I did I you know I don't do a lot of hiking now, but I do like mountains. I do like hiking in the mountains. I've done it in New Hampshire, Alaska, here, there, where, and um, I do like. Uh, 
there's a, a little bit of threat sometime, like in Alaska, of uh, bears and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I sort of like the sense of of uh, that there might be some sort of a threat from a— Well, it's also, you know, as natural as you can get. It's it's real. It's the earth. It's yeah. what we really Well, I, I like the sound of the wind and the trees. Yeah. I like, the, I like rain, whether it's on the roof or on my head. Um, I like natural, quiet, and I like to see the birds. And yeah, yeah, I do. I do like, and I like to, I like to walk at Arnold Arboretum because that has a lot of natural areas. For those listening outside of the area, that's one of the most beautiful public, you call it a park or a, uh, an area for horticulture and trees and, and protection. Yeah, it's one of the most famous places in the world. I mean, like... Uh, Part of the Emerald Necklace, they call it. Yeah, the Emerald Necklace uh, that was done by by Olmsted and uh, who and the Emerald Necklace, uh, you know, runs all the way through, you know, uh, the Arnold Arboretum, Arnold Arboretum is part of that, and that continues on through the cemetery out there. Yeah, the, the Boston Common and Public Gardens. Starts there, I think. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, good for you, good for you. The only thing I, I wondered is, do you carry a uh, staff like Moses when you're walking through the <laughs> woods or... I see you as a mosaic figure, if I can use that term. <laughs> well, I think that uh, you know Moses was a, was a great figure, and uh, but uh, yeah. here's here's where you're different than Moses. He had an issue with who's pub- that? Here's where you're different. Moses had an issue with public speaking. You're more the Aaron, <laughs> very loquacious. Yeah, Moses wasn't a low. The uh, story, if I recall, from the Seder and the Haggadah is: Didn't Moses? put a hot coal in his mouth or something when something he was a like kid. That, yeah. And as a result, he didn't speak well. He had a speech issue. So Aaron was the mouthpiece. Yeah, Aaron. So that, uh, you know, Moses, um, uh, yeah, Moses is played by, uh, who played him in the Charlton movie? Heston. Yeah, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston was actually a good actor. A very good actor. He became uh, the uh, president of the gun society. But also, uh, just to show you his range, he also marched with Martin Luther King during the civil rights days. Oh, did he? Yeah, one of the first actors, one of the few to stand tall. So very complex man, but a very interesting actor. Uh, And when you play Moses and you're in Ben-Hur, where do you go but down? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize until recently how good an actor he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk further about theater and acting because that's one of your passions I know but uh, yeah we should talk further about it because uh, I'd like to I'd like to know about your your connection with film <clears throat> because we've talked about music and how it relates to film and so you and I have to do some of that because that's one of my favorite things to talk to people about you know singing in the rain wasn't considered that good by critics but it's uh, you know I mean, some of these <clears throat> musicals were fantastic I, since we got together uh, previously Jordan, I did see the latest version um, of um, West Side Story. West Side Story. Yes. What did you think? I thought it was terrific. Me too. Me too. Spielberg's amazing director. He is. And you can't really knock the music by, you know, Leonard Rubinstein and Stephen Sondheim. Leonard. Leonard. Uh, not Rubinstein. Uh, I'm sorry, Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> you know, I th- yeah, it was all terrific, and I thought. I thought the way the love story was done by that first, the first movie she ever made, yeah, who played uh, Maria. Uh, Maria, excellent. I thought she was. I, I thought the love story between them 
sort of clicked. Yeah, it was really well done. Well, you are well done, sir, uh, <laughs> sharing our stories and sharing your life's adventure. Let's keep doing it. Are you up for it? Oh, absolutely, Jordan. And uh, as far as well done is concerned, I'll leave that to Lois. I like mine medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRuttman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Ruttman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life.